0: Hello, and welcome into this edition of Radio BNR. I'm your host, Chris Turner, and today we're speaking with a special guest who is from Tennessee but is a
1: church planner in Denver.
0: Tell us who you are
1: and where you're from. Hey, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Derek Scherfee, now pastor of the Oaks Church here in beautiful Denver, Uh, but East Tennessee is home. It's where I grew up in Kingsport, Tennessee. My wife grew up there as well uh, and then did most of our uh, adult life up to this point in Johnson City, Tennessee.
0: Well, so you guys uh, are here in a Denver suburb, a Denver area. Uh, which which side of Denver are you on? Because we're learning that Denver is quite large.
1: Yeah, it's in rapidly growing. So yeah. we are in the southeast corner of urban Denver. So we're about a handful of miles from downtown. Uh, so our neighborhood, they call it the donut. So we're not urban-urban, like downtown yeah. Skyrise, uh, that sort of way, but are also not super suburban as you get way out to the, as the bedrock communities are growing out. So we're kind of in the in-between donut ring around the city.
0: So how does a couple from Johnson City wind up in the suburbs of Denver?
1: Yeah, well, that's a long story. How much time do you have? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so like I say, I grew up in East Tennessee. Uh, that was home. Um, the church that my wife grew up in, Tri-Cities Baptist Church there in the Tri-Cities area, right there on I-25 and... Mm-hmm. Um, 26, I've been gone yeah. too long. I, 25 <laughs> runs through Denver. It's funny how 25 and 26 seem to be close yeah, together, but they're not. They so. are not, but they're at the 26 and 81 intersection yeah. there in the Tri-Cities area. Uh, so my wife grew up in that church. Uh, I was not walking with Jesus, uh, really had... Uh, Just an encounter with the gospel and Jesus grabbed a hold of my heart, Uh, met my wife and went to church with her at Tri-Cities. Men became spiritual fathers to me in the absence of my earthly physical dad in that church. uh, Really just um, valued spiritual formation in my life. My wife and I's relationship grew and ended up getting married there. Uh, really discerned a calling to ministry as we were just in the trenches of making disciples who make disciples through a local church, got a heart for the church, uh, and then surrendered to the calling to pastoral ministry uh, through our our time at Tri-Cities. Then later came on staff and went to seminary at Southern Seminary while working on staff at Tri-Cities, worked as a student intern and then a college pastor, uh, and then we planted a multi-site campus uh, with Tri-Cities. and I served as the lead teaching pastor at that location. It was in downtown Johnson City, uh, right in between East Tennessee State University and Milligan mm-hmm. College there. Uh, served there for almost five years. Uh, loved it. Uh, loved those brothers we get to serve alongside of, those elders. Um, and until about now, it's been almost um, three and a half years ago that God just began stirring our hearts. Uh, our trust cities exist to be a sending church, to multiply the gospel and disciples and go into the nations. Uh, we were sending by God's grace to places like Denver and around this, the world to unreach peoples and places. Uh, so I always discerned that was gonna be my calling is to yeah. be a sender and an equipper uh, in the East Tennessee in our hometown. Uh, definitely to see people come to know Jesus in East Tennessee, but to exist for the sake of places like where we are now. Uh, But about three and a half years ago, God began to break in our hearts that we were going to be some of the next ones to be sent. So the
0: sender became the sendee. That's right, (laughs) yeah.
1: And so we ran from it for a really long time uh, and really kind of rubber hit the road. My last uh, overseas trip, I was in Southeast Asia working with the underground persecuted church with one of our partners there. And I was reading through the book of Isaiah in my own time with the Lord that morning uh, and got to Isaiah 61. And that's the passage that Jesus claimed for himself in Luke 4, Uh, this vision of oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he would be glorified. Uh, And I just fell in love with Jesus again, Chris, to be honest with you. So before the calling was ever about Denver or even the Oaks Church, which comes right out of that passage, Uh, it was really a stirring up of the heart of Jesus and the heart of God for people that don't have access to the gospel like we do in East Tennessee. Um, And so I came back from that trip just wrecked and in love with Jesus all over again, talked to my wife and we'd already been praying about what was next and brought it to our elders we were serving alongside of. And just consistently after every conversation, it was always, it's about time. You answered yeah. this call. Everybody was affirming <laughs> that uh, in us. And so it's we, one of
0: those where everybody else could see, yep. was waiting on you guys to catch up. That's huh?
1: exactly right. So mm-hmm. that began just a process of fasting and prayer and just our yes on the table. Uh, and at that time, we did not. Have Denver on our heart. We were yeah. just we were open to the, going to the nations with IMB. Uh, we had planted some churches in Denver already, so we had started a church as a supporting church in downtown called the Summit Church. Um, they're ten years old now and uh, hundreds of people, and seen you know dozens of people come to faith. Um, and so we had Denver on our radar. Uh, yeah, we, uh, when we came out here on a vision trip with a few other cities in a few months, God just broke our heart uniquely for this yes. place in a way that he didn't in any other places that we were. Uh, lost people everywhere. We need churches everywhere, especially in urban centers. Yeah. Um, but God called us very clearly to Denver when we were out here in our partnership with North American Mission Board.
0: So, you know, it's one thing to come out and, and see that for a vision. It's another to, you know, leave a place where, you know, really is gospel-saturated. Just the adjustment, and and what, it, how is it different here, as far as being involved at this level of church playing church work than maybe what you experience as a staff person in East Tennessee.
1: Well, yeah, there's a, a lot of things different uh, from a personal level. Um, the culture is dramatically different here in yeah. in the West, here in Denver, and where we're fairly urban and where we are located. Um, that's just different than anything we've ever grown up around. Um, so there's that. We've always grown up around family in East yeah. Tennessee with a community and support structure where we grew up. Uh, and we moved here not knowing hardly anyone, just a handful of folk that we were loosely connected with from church planting endeavors that we were already involved with. Uh, so personally, it's been uh, a really big step of faith and starting over in a lot of ways. Um, and then from the church side of things, um, from church planting versus being a part of a fairly large established church, of course we started the campus but even that was a little different there in east tennessee Um, and so when we think of church we think gathering preaching series ministries for discipleship of our people Uh, but what do you do when you don't have people to pastor (laughs) and all the things that i grew up around of what it meant to follow jesus we stepped into a context where none of that existed for our church Um, and so what does it mean to just be with jesus become like Jesus and do what Jesus is doing and join him and where he's at work when there's not a lot of the structures that exist in the established church. Again, we're not against that. We're heading that way. We're trying to build that here in the city. Uh, But instead of just attracting a bunch of Christians in a room that hopefully the outworking of that is to make disciples and engage the kingdom, uh, what does it mean to start with kingdom first to say to engage the city to share the gospel by God's grace to see people come to know Jesus who are seeking, uh, and then out of that to see the church birthed.
0: Have you have you had to change your expectations a little bit in coming out and you know kind of knowing some things, but then all of a sudden you know you're like you live here. This is this is your reality now. This isn't like a mission trip out here, but this is now your reality. Have you guys kind of had to say okay, you know we we need to adjust the way that we view success in what we're doing or some things like that?
1: Yeah, um, I think a couple of the big lessons we've learned. One is um, more, God requires faithfulness, yeah. not just success. That's that's success for us. Are we being faithful to, with Bibles open, on our face, before the Lord, um, to hear from God and do whatever he tells us to do? Um, and that's what uh, success looks like, is being faithful to follow Jesus in the ordinary, mundane, everyday stuff of life like joining God in what he's already doing in the lives that we're already living. Uh, that's where the extraordinary revival kind of stuff happens. Um, so, yeah, just walking with God in the ordinary things. Um, but then, Because it's slow, right? Um, it's slow. Even some of the largest churches that are most successful in our city are a tenth of the size of some of the large churches in, in, in back east. And so um, it's just not going to be what I think a lot of times we see as successful. Uh, but then the, the biggest lesson that I think that we've learned, Chris, is at the end of the day, it's gotta be about Jesus mm. for us. Uh, and by God's grace, that was you know our posture and our heart in East Tennessee, and we were part of a church that really believed that. Right. Uh, so it wasn't new to us, but we've learned it in very fresh ways on the other side of obedience and in, in over our heads. We're, we've always been over our heads. We can never see life change. We can never produce that in ourselves. But we feel it more deeply yeah. being out here and so the the posture of if we're not praying <laughs> we really don't have a leg to stand on in this and so um, to, at the end of the day i just want to enjoy jesus more i want more of him uh and if i'm walking in intimacy with jesus and what's on his heart gets on my heart it'll compel us to live for the joy of other people in this city
0: well we we you know see the Statistics from the NAM website, kind of the whole mm-hmm. background of what Den- Denver is, and we we know that the the volume of people to churches, access to the gospel, is really limited. So, what are some of the challenges as you guys go about uh, making those connections? What are what are some challenges, or some barriers you face to really connecting with people or their response to the gospel and and, and kind of that whole you've got to make those relationships. And they're, it's not so simple as offering four spiritual laws and people <laughs> respond and hey, right. you know, we get saved, baptized, or settled on their own discipleship. Just what are some of the challenges in getting someone even to that point where they recognize their need for Christ?
1: Yeah, so you mentioned the stats, and so I won't bore you with the numbers, you can Google them and uh, yeah. maybe you can link to some of those. Um, I, I can't even speak to our whole city, it's rapidly changing all the time. But in our neighborhood alone, where we're sitting right now in the middle of this, if you draw a two-mile circle around this building where we gather, and I live just five blocks away, our core team lives within a walk from here, we've all just kind of done life right here in this urban neighborhood. Um, If you draw a two-mile circle around here, you're looking at 100,000 people in two miles. And you do another, mile circle, and you're looking at 175,000, almost 200,000 people just in a two to three mile radius. Uh, Of that, I mean, the stats vary, uh, I mean, 90 to 97%, depending on who you ask in a liberal estimate. Uh, But from our experience and some of the surveys and the work that we've done with our neighbors around us, it's closer to that 95, 96% of our neighbors are not interested in following Jesus and are not in church on Sunday today. Um, and so just the sheer number and the density of living in a city like this, we're just talking about my neighborhood, a two mile block um, of just more people than from my hometown yeah, Right, lives yeah. within in my neighborhood that I can ride my bike to. Uh, and then when you're actually seeing it past the stats and you walk past and you just count nine out of 10 people, yeah. chances are you're looking them in the face and if they don't hear the good news and respond by repentance and faith, they're gonna spend eternity apart from Jesus. Yeah. Uh, And that's just overwhelming, just the sheer need. Uh, In our neighborhood alone, there's maybe three evangelical churches for those uh, couple hundred thousand people right here. Um, And they're great churches and they love Jesus, but I think the average of those are less than 100 people. Uh, Some of the even Nam church plants, the very successful ones that are just around us a few miles down the road uh, in other neighborhoods, three or four years in and just a few dozen people. I mean, so it's a slow uh, road and people are far from God and not really interested in what we're doing. Uh, So making it cooler, making it hipper, marketing well, uh, you may reach some people that are kind of, you know, moving here and looking for a church, uh, but most of our neighbors are just, they're, they're uninterested in what we're doing. And so just the sheer density, of the place is overwhelming and the lostness of it and the need of it and the lack of gospel presence in it. Uh, so it's a very good possibility that people would go to work and kind of live life in this neighborhood and never interact with a Christian yeah. in a meaningful way. Um, so there's that. But then there's the diversity that exists in our neighborhood. So of those 100,000 people, we have kind of the older population that's been in Denver for a really long time uh, that are lonely, have their own uh, issues, and their own brokenness, and have their own resistance to all the change of the city and, their own issues with the gospel. Uh, Then you've got all of the people that have moved here to Colorado over the last five to 10 years. The city's doubled in size over the last decade. Um, And people, on average, stay here for about a couple of years and they leave. Um, So they're here searching for something. They're here because of the mountains or the good weather or all that the city has to offer or their job. Uh, And then they realize, wait, the problems that were in my heart, wherever I came from, followed me to Denver. Uh, So you've got 20 and 30-somethings, highly educated, making a lot of money that are here and they're searching desperately, we believe, for the church and for the kingdom and for the king, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're trying to find it in everything and anything, and they're hurting and they're lonely. Uh, And then in our neighborhood uh, is highly ethnically diverse. So there's 60 languages from 40 countries that exist in our neighborhood, and that's one of the main reasons that we feel like God's called us to this particular spot. Um, and most of those 60 languages from 40 countries are from unreached, unengaged peoples where you and I can't get on a plane and just boldly go into those countries and share the gospel. But God is providentially bringing them literally in my backyard in the schools that we're serving. Uh, and so that's an opportunity. But that you're asking about obstacles. And so how do you reach people that have been rooted in Denver that are you know, 40 years my senior, and how do you reach the millennial young professional that's just working to go play in the mountains and has no, you know, the joke about Denverites is the only thing that they're committed to is not being committed to anything. And so you are talking about Jesus and church yeah. and the gospel, uh, and then our refugee friends and impoverished people from around the world. Uh, there's unique social issues that come from kind of the urban poor that we're planted among as well. And so it's it's, it's it's obstacles, but also we see it as opportunities that if we could in any way reflect our neighborhood, it's the kingdom of God breaking in in the city.
0: So with, with all that diversity and the volume of people and the great spiritual need, where do you even begin? Where do you get a toehold to, to connect, to, to build those relationships
1: with such a, a mass of people? Yeah, man. Thanks for asking that. And uh, I don't know that we know. Yeah. <laughs> We're far from the professionals. Yeah. Uh, we say all the time here that there's no cape flapping in the wind. Yeah. We're not superheroes trying to take our cities for God. We're trying to love our city with God. Yeah. We believe he loves Denver more than we do. Um, and that's the hope of the confidence of the gospel. I think we've got to start there, that this gospel is true or it's not, and we're putting all of our chips in that the gospel is true, that Jesus is worth it, that he is gathering the people for himself from every tribe, language, and nation in this world. So there's a confidence that he's going to grow the church, uh, but again, back to that faithfulness. And so I think... Uh, our own intimacy with Jesus and trust in the power of the gospel and not in our tactics uh, and not being ashamed of the gospel in a very secular culture where it would be easy to not associate with Jesus and just be nice. (laughs) Um, But when we're doing it in the name of Jesus, trusting that there's power in that name. And so I think that's the only hope that we have in this. Uh, and that's the same thing is true in East Tennessee. It's mm-hmm. just as much a miracle for somebody in East Tennessee to come to know Jesus as sure. it is here in, in Denver. Uh, the second thing, and I don't, I don't want to rush past this. I really do mean it. Um, is prayer. I think we've grown in prayer, um, not because we're super spiritual or that was even part of my rhythms. I've, I'm honestly ashamed of how lack the lack of prayer uh, in my ministry up until this point. Uh, and it's no one's fault but just my own self sufficiency. Yeah. Um, But coming here and you feel that overwhelming and it's driven us to our knees. So our whole, we've been here a year and a half and our whole first year was really just getting to know the neighborhood and everybody lives within a few miles of each other. Everybody's working jobs and we just kind of do life, to use of common kind of phrase, in the parks and the school system and coffee shops and restaurants and just frequenting as much as we can in this place to get to know people, obviously to share the gospel, but also just to be a normal neighbor, um, but to do so praying. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so much of their first year was just gathering with our small core team uh, on our knees with the Bible open. Um, for a strategy of what does church need to look like for this culture and what God's calling us uniquely to do here, but also just begging that God would move mm. and that we would have eyes to see where he's at work and to join him there. Um, and so that, that was, those are the two biggies. And then just keep showing up, mm. keep showing up to people who are very far from Jesus and somewhere walking that tension of boldness, but also playing the long game of we hope to spend decades here. Mm. The kind of work that we want to see, not just to plant a church, but to see a multiplication of churches we pray out of our church, even in a way that would reach the nations. We're talking about decades here. Mm. Um, and so we're just kind of rooting down and being here for the long haul and loving one another well, and loving Jesus well, um, and just over the long haul inviting people into our lives and introducing them to Jesus. So Denver
0: is really our future. Uh, from like Tennessee um you know we're already starting to see just especially in the middle Tennessee area with Google coming in and Amazon coming in yeah. and, you know uh, uh Mitsubishi is moving there Nissan moved there years ago so there is this migration of people from beyond uh, the buckle of the bible belt from Michigan California mm-hmm. uh upper northwest they're moving to middle Tennessee that that really will as that spreads from the epicenter of nashville out through the state will have an impact on the overall spirituality there so just talk a little bit about you know what you would would share with a pastor i mean we have a number of churches that you know have disconnected from their community their are pat- plateaued or declining what are some things you can share from you know the future that would benefit uh, what's coming to Tennessee and how churches really need to possibly reevaluate their communities.
1: Yeah, um, and just again, even listening to you talk about that, there's something welling up in me of what the Spirit of God's doing in our cities that's coming to Tennessee, of just the opportunity of He's bringing these people Mm -hmm. uh, to us for our churches. And so I, I would say a couple of things. One is having a paradigm shift of church, and I don't mean that from a young, you know angry at the traditional established church that is not my heart at all um at all i've seen that a lot in my generation i'm 30 years old i've seen that a lot people younger than me and older than me uh, That is, i love the local church uh, i believe in what we do in the everyday ordinary means of grace of the gathered church and the ways that we're trying to make disciples uh, i just think that we've got to wake up to where our culture is and where it's headed that um they're not coming <laughs> to our church services. And again, can God use those things? Absolutely. Um, but if our strategy is just trying to grow our churches, um, I think that we're always going to be playing catch up and, uh, in so many ways, just reaching a small sliver of our ever changing increasingly post Christian pre Christian in some ways, uh, culture. And so p- shifting a paradigm of, of less of how can I grow my church? And more of how can I participate with God to see the kingdom expand? And to have that vision of church, to say, how can we mobilize our people to serve and engage and go to where people are um, to ask the questions, to answer the questions that they're actually asking and not just the questions that we know are relevant, but to actually meet people uh, and have conversations with real people. Um, I'd say that would be a paradigm shift, kind of as a lofty idea, but then very practical is equip our people for mission. Mm -hmm. And so as pastors, we are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Um, And I would just say in a very loving but firm way (laughs) is that making disciples and equipping our people uh, is not less than training them to run our programs of our church, Mm because our programs are great. We're doing them for a reason. It's to equip people to make disciple makers themselves where they live, work, and play. And so uh, having a, a missional evangelism, missionary skill strategies for your people, equipping every member to be a missionary, of knowing how to see their neighborhood on purpose, to know how to engage people who are far from God, to know how to share the gospel in culturally relevant, but also biblically faithful ways. Uh, And then what does it mean for that member empowered by the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, to actually take that person that they've seen come to faith and disciple them, to see them grow up in every way into Jesus, and then to see the church grow out of that. Um, and I think that's what we've got to be doing, which we should have been doing. And in so many ways we are doing, yeah. uh, we just can't expect those people to come to us. We've got to go to them. And it can't just be our programs that are discipling people, but our programs must exist to equip our people to go take the gospel to their neighbor.
0: Yeah, there really is a shift in that mindset of, you know, you, you may have built it, but they're, and they may have come at one point, but they're not coming anymore. They're not anymore. coming and there there's so many i want not say distractions but there's there's so many offers on the table anymore for people to do things that that church is just increasingly not at the top of of their list unless some significant life action has happened and then all of a sudden they're searching for something but for the most part it's just not
1: it's, it's not even on the radar. Yeah, one of the most powerful examples I've heard, I've heard a lot of pastors use this and missionaries overseas use this, but just imagine that a mosque open up in your neighborhood. Um, and if you're not a Muslim, then that's probably not something you're going to just wander into to kind of be curious of what's going on behind those doors. As a matter of fact, you're probably a little curious, maybe even skeptical, maybe a little nervous of what's going on there. Um, you just don't understand it. Um, and so even if somebody invited you, even if the music was cool, um, you're not going there um, right. because you, you're not. That's not who you are. That's right. not what you're after. Uh, and so many of our neighbors—that's how they see us. They see us in that way. It's completely irrelevant to them and kind of cultish and weird yeah. to them. Yeah. Uh, and so, we kind of put ourselves in the shoes of our of us to say, "Remember what it was like before you believed. Remember what it was like when the gospel didn't make sense to you." Yeah. And try to not get too far from our conversion and to, to have some. Compassion and sympathy for the folks that have yet to see the beauty of Jesus.
0: So, you mentioned prayer. What what are some ways that Tennessee Baptists could be praying for you and your family, and then uh, the ministry here?
1: Uh, thanks for even just asking that, and I I really do mean it. That's not just something church planters spout off. Uh, I really do um, covet everyone's prayers. Uh, so, for, first, uh, personally. Um, Pray that me and my family and our leaders here would enjoy Jesus, uh, that we would not do for Him without being with Him, that all of our doing would flow out of intimacy with God. That's something you can always pray for us. Um, we don't want to plant a church and lose our soul, mm. and so um, we're always trying to hold intention, faithful and radical obedience, but also rest and care and not taking ourselves too seriously. Mm. Um, and embracing our limits and not doing everything for everyone. Uh, So pray that we'd have wisdom to know that tension that we wouldn't burn out, but we also wouldn't be lazy mm-hmm. uh, in that, uh, and that we would we would disciple our kids and our families first before mm-hmm. we try to save the world. Uh, that's always ways you can pray um, for us. But then uh, for our church and then the mission for our church, we're heading into our launch in September. So I don't know where this is going to air, yeah. but mid September is um, going to be our official launch as our as our church. Uh, so we've been meeting in small groups. We have three uh, communities that meet throughout our neighborhood. Uh, we're hoping to double those by the end of 2019 to have six, and then our, our weekly gatherings to really crank up. And so just be praying for that, that um, we would grow uh, in that, and more and more people would be making disciples as a result of what we're doing here. Um, we're installing, installing elders and deacons coming up this fall as well. So be praying for wisdom in that, that our church would be healthy, uh, and our membership base would continue to grow. Um, and then uh, pray that for all the people that are in our lives who are close to us but far from God mm-hmm. um, that we have relationships with. We've yet to see someone profess faith in our year and a half here. Um, again, it's slow, but we know that God can radically speed that process up if he yeah. would be so kind to do that. Um, and so pray for continued boldness, but we're praying for our first baptism uh, this year. Uh, so please ask that God would save um, people. And then we want to be a church planting church. We have not really even got our church off the ground in some ways, and we're already in plans to start our first church in, our, in the city. We want to be a sending church for the nations, and so we're asking that God would stir up and call people from within our church to be sent out in so many ways that we've experienced uh, from our sending churches uh, all over the country.
0: And what are some ways, if Tennessee Baptists wanted to come and do some kind of partnership, uh, what what are a couple of things that they might be able to do or how you could plug volunteers into what you're doing? Yeah,
1: we would love to say, uh, if you want to come out for a vision trip, we would love to host you, to you know, even just see the city, uh, answer any questions you've got, uh, to kind of get a heart when you see what we see, mm-hmm. uh, and to feel those stats when you're looking at faces. And so we would just invite anybody that wants to come out. Those vision trips sound dangerous, though, because you came on one and now you're here. That's so right, so be careful. <laughs> come on in, boys. the water's fine um yeah so vision trip would be a a good first step or if you want to just directly send a team and so we hosted uh 10 teams uh this summer we just finished that uh so prayer walking door-to-door surveys and evangelism we've done um park outreach ministries apartment uh ministries that we've started serving some of our at-risk uh uh, communities. We do a lot of work with refugees, um, so we work with uh, three schools in our neighborhood uh, with refugees. Uh, we're helping plant some ethnic churches with some nonprofits here, uh, so we're doing a lot of work with ethnic refugee work um, here in our neighborhood. Uh, we're doing urban gardens and whatever our local government needs, and so there's a myriad of projects that are tangible that helps advance our church, um, and then also obviously be here to share the gospel, but then to encourage our team as well to Watch the kiddos so that our leaders can go out for date nights and uh to maybe even invest in some of our leaders. Uh there's a myriad of ways, and whatever even your your church would have, if you got a unique skill set, we would love to. That's the kind of the short-term yeah. uh partnerships, but we love mid and long term as well. So we just we're partners with Gensend. Mm-hmm. So I know you know about Gen yeah, yeah. for college age um uh, students. We just I was a Gensend coach this year. We hosted 15 students from around the country, wow. mostly from the southeast this year. Uh so that's a great eight week week program that'll be next summer uh, for your college students or maybe even another internship program. And then maybe you have some of your members that say, I've got a job and I can take my job and move to Denver, Colorado and work my job and be a part of the Oaks Church or any church for that matter that's happening in our city um, and to be a disciple maker and a leader of leaders in our community and have your job that you're working in Tennessee Uh, but to do it here among people, you know, that don't know Jesus. Uh, So those are kind of uh, short, mid, and long-term opportunities.
0: Well, there's a lot of opportunity, it sounds like. Certainly there seems to be a lot of need. So uh, as you continue just doing what you're doing and seeing things um, play out, you obviously have a great enthusiasm for it, uh, uh, energy to match it. Um, So... We'll be praying for you, and we're just excited that you were able to take a little bit of time to to, uh, talk to us and tell us a little bit about your work.
1: Chris, thanks for being out here, bud. It's really encouraging. Thank you for listening to Radio BNR, a podcast production of The Baptist
0: and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio BR. The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.